How you guys doing? Good. Okay, let's uh, just acknowledge the elephant in the room right now. I am not the new college pastor. It's just regular old Waz without a beard. Uh, I decided to shave. It was partly, yeah, boo is correct. Um, partly because I promised my wife uh, that when the baby was born uh, that I would shave. Um, but then the baby came sort of unexpectedly and I didn't have time to shave as we were going to the hospital. That was like a month ago. And then on the baby's actual due date, she was like, hey, you said you were going to shave. So I was like, okay, I guess I promised. I'm a man of my word, so I shaved. So that's, that's the story. Okay, so um, let's do this. Let's start off with a little game tonight. It's called Spot the Lie. Uh, and I'm going to throw up some claims up there, and I want you guys just to call it out, whether it's truth or fact. I mean, truth or lie. Fact or fiction. Yes. Okay, go. Let's, uh, let's do the first one. Maine is the closest U.S. state to Africa. Let's get the answer up there. It is true. You can Google that later. Don't Google that now. Um, Google it at the end of the night. Uh, Next fact or fiction. Uh, Average life expectancy in the Middle Ages was 30 plus. False. It is false. It's actually lower uh, because of infant mortality rate. It's so sad. Um, That's sad. Okay. Keep going. Let's keep going. Let's just move past that. Uh, Your fingers prune in water because they're absorbing it. You know how they get like all wrinkly and stuff? Why do they prune then? If you guys are so smart. Actual? (laughs) Joey is correct. Um, Your nervous system sort of realizes what's going on, that you're in water, and then it creates this reaction so that you can have a better grip in water. Yeah. Weird, huh? Okay, next one. So that one was false. The next one, hippo milk is pink. True or false? It's actually, like, nobody actually knows. The internet doesn't know. Um, Some places will tell you true. Some places will tell you false. Snopes says that it's false. National Geographic once posted uh, a tweet saying that it was true. So... Who knows? Who knows? We just need to test a hippo. Uh, next one. Is there another one? Bananas or berries? Bananas or berries? I remember one time in life group, we like had this long, huge discussion about the fact that bananas actually are berries. Strawberries are not berries. Bananas are berries. And guess what? Avocados are berries as well. Crazy, right? And actually, so are watermelon. Watermelons are berries, too. So every, almost every fruit that you can imagine is actually a berry. Um, look it up later. Okay, so all these true, false, whatever things. Um, the fact is, some lies are, like, really easy to spot, and others are a lot harder to spot. And um, there are some things that are out there that we should just, like, absolutely be like, oh, that's just, like, false. No question about it. Um, But for some reason, we don't realize that those things are lies. And tonight, we're going to talk about some of of those lies uh, that we sort of hear uh, about our own bodies. Uh, And for some reason, we keep falling 
for those lies that culture tells us about our bodies um, and living as if those things are true. So tonight we're going to talk about those lies. We're going to learn how to spot them out uh, and see what the Lord has to say about them. So let's go ahead and pray to open things up. Father God, I just uh, thank you, Lord, um, that you're present with us. God, just as uh, that last song that we sang, God, we want your presence to be here with us. God, that we want you to be here and walk into this room and be uh, sitting uh, next to us, God, speaking your word to us, reminding us of truth. Lord, so I pray that tonight as we uh, just look at various passages uh, in the word, God, that you would bring truth to mind. Lord, that you would uh, affect our hearts. God, and that you would um, just help us to see how awesome uh, you really are, Jesus. Praise all in your name. Amen. All right, so for those of you who are new, my name is Chris Wozniki. Uh, you can go ahead and call me Woz, and I'm on staff here at SOMA. And right now we're in a series called Life 101, where we're basically looking um, at, at various topics that are crucial to surviving the college-age years, uh, whether you're in school or whether you're working, it's just this time frame. So for instance, the first one that we looked at last week was time management, which you, it's a skill you need to figure out. <laughs> or else your life will be hard. Um, next week, we'll be talking about money. Uh, the week after that, we'll be talking about careers. Uh, then the week after that, Dre's going to come in, and he's going to speak about relationships. But tonight, we're talking about bodies. And I wanted to sort of just jump into things with a song uh, that's going to play up there. And if you know the song, please don't be too cool not to sing it. Um, Hojin, um, Hojin's like the karaoke master. Um, and I'm looking at him to like carry this thing. Okay? Let's uh, go ahead and play that clip. I think you just repeated. Okay. Um, music videos back then, huh? Weird. Um, that's that guy's like definition of living life is riding on the back of a trash can truck. Trash truck. Um, the puppy part, though, about the puppies like attacking him, I think that's, that's living life. That's living it up. Anyway, so, um, right. So Bon Jovi saying, like, it's my life. I'm going to live it my way. Um, Drake, a few years ago, you know, YOLO. Uh, you only live once. Have you guys noticed how, like, nobody says YOLO anymore? Right? Like, either it just went out of style or all the people who would say it have slowly died off. Um, whatever it is, like, there's this idea, whether it's in music, whether it's um, just messages that we hear, uh, is that your life is your own, right? That you can do with it whatever you want, um, and it's, it's a small leap from believing that idea that your life is your own to believing that your body is your own, 
right? Believing that I can treat it any way I want, that I can do with it whatever I want, that I can give it to whoever I want or withhold it, or I can put substances in it. Uh, I can put it on display for millions of people online to see, or I can choose to spend all of my money on just making it perfect into this ideal image of it that I'm supposed to have. But whatever it is, like there's this idea and culture that our body is our own, right? And it can be as innocent as telling your mom like that, that, that you're going to get a tattoo of your new boyfriend, Bobby, on your back, right? It's like, mom, like I've known him for weeks. I love him. I love Bobby. You can get that tattoo, right? Um, or it could be much worse, right? It can be as serious as the idea that's so common in culture that um, a woman's body is her own and that she uh, has the right to do whatever she wants with the life of an unborn child because it's her body. She decides that. Um, And at all, whether it's that super stupid thing of just getting a tattoo because you can do whatever you want to terminating the life of an unborn child, the lie is that our body is our own. So that's your first feeling, that your body is your own. And that's the lie we're told. So how does that play out in our life? Um... I think it sort of plays out on two ends of a spectrum, right? Like on the one hand, uh, you have this idea that it's my body and I don't really care about it so I can do whatever the heck I want with it, right? Like I can eat Krispy Kreme all day or, or, or eat ice cream for breakfast all week, which I have been. Um, or you might just eat Taco Bell, like in general, in your life. That's how you know you hate your body, um, or obviously, it could be much more serious. Binge drinking, uh, putting substances in your body, reckless behavior, uh, hookups, it is, whatever it is, um, it's all flowing from this idea that my body is my own, that I get to choose what to do whatever I want to do with it. Right? If I don't want to treat it properly, if I don't want to sleep well, eat well, exercise on occasion, uh, then nobody can tell me to do otherwise. On the flip side, so that's like on one end of the spectrum. On the other hand, you have this idea that my body is my glory, right? Uh, that, that, and I go to the gym and I see people who just embody this belief, right? Like I'm at the squat rack and there's this bro in front of me and this <laughs> bro is taking selfies and I'm like, dang it, bro. Like, and bro is actually appropriate because it usually is some dude with, that's like ripped with a backwards hat. Um, and... <laughs> Not that that automatically makes you a bro. But anyway, so people, it's like, stop taking selfies. Like, people are actually trying to work out here. Um, and then you'll see it on Instagram, right? Hundreds of accounts that have 100,000, 200,000 followers. And they're just following people who post selfies of themselves, right? Showing off their perfect bodies. The only thing is that selfie is like the same exact selfie, the same exact pose, same exact shot over and over again. But it's not just selfies, right? Like, it's the money, it's the time spent on it, it's the energy spent on it. And the truth is, though, that your body, like, both of those are wrong. Your body is not meant to be hated, on the one hand, right? And it's not your glory, on the other, right? And that's because your body isn't actually your own. The truth is that you were bought at a price. That's your feeling, that you were bought at a price, right? Your body is not your own. If you're a believer, that's true of you. Actually, if you're not a believer, that's true of you as well. But your body is actually the Lord's. Go ahead and open up to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. 
1 Corinthians 6, starting at verse 19. First Corinthians six nineteen says, Do you not know this is Paul speaking, <clears throat> do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore honor God with your body. So here's what Paul's saying. Like he's in the middle of talking to this church, uh, the Corinthian church, uh, about their sex lives. And sort of uh, what the people are thinking in Corinth, they're thinking, okay, like, I'm a spiritual being. I have a spirit. That's, we talk about being spiritual and stuff. I'm a spirit. Uh, what really matters is my soul. It, it, it's, it's my spirit. So what I do with my body isn't really such a big deal, right? After all, a body is just a body. One day it's going to fall apart. One day we're going to bury it in, underground and it's going to rot, Right? So it doesn't really matter what I do with my body. If I want to have sex with prostitutes, uh, which is their problem, probably not your problem, um, fill in the blank with whatever problem it is, that doesn't matter, right? So if I commit sexual immorality with my body, that's no big deal. That's just a body. What really matters is my soul. What really matters is my spirit. And this is actually a pervasive thought today, Um, Lady Gaga. Um, I'm not going to sing it because I don't want it to be like recorded and get to Michael or Dave and be like, what are they worshiping in there? What are those new worship songs they're singing? Uh, So she says, do what you want, what you want with my body. You know the song? You can't have my heart and you won't use my mind, but do what you want with my body. That's an R. Kelly song. Not R. Kelly. R. Kelly and Lady Gaga. Um, Which actually... I was looking at the screen over there. Uh, actually, like that could actually be a hymn if you think about it. It's like, Lord, do what you want with my body. It's all yours. I mean, you'd have to say you can have my heart, not can't. That's kind of whatever. Uh, okay, so, um, so this is exactly the same sort of thing that the Corinthians are doing, right? She's saying, okay, like maybe my mind, maybe my soul, maybe my heart, like that's important. But my body, that's just a body. Right? What I do with my body is no big deal. But look at how Paul responds to that. He says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? He says that your body isn't just a material thing. Right? It's not just this piece of meat. Right? It's where the Holy Spirit lives. It's where God dwells. And your body matters. Right? So why does it matter? It matters because you're not your own. Because you were bought at a price, right? Not just your soul, your whole self, your whole body, everything that you are was bought with a price, right? Therefore, honor God with your body. And what is that price? The price is the life of Jesus, right? Jesus gave his life on the cross and was raised from the dead three days later, right? He paid the ultimate price so that he could redeem you for himself. So as a Christ follower, if you believe that Jesus paid the ultimate price in order to redeem you, then you know that your allegiance actually belongs to him. Everything that you are actually belongs to him. You're not your own. Your body is his. So the question is, are you going to treat it like it's his? Are you going to treat it like crap, like it's just some flesh thing, right? flesh and bones? Or are you going to treat it like the Lord actually values it, like it actually matters? 
And more importantly, are you going to use it to do the right things? Or are you going to use it to gratify your own selfish bodily desires? Right? 1 Corinthians 6.13, earlier he says, Food for the stomach and stomach for the food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Right? Again, we don't need to just limit this to sexual immorality. The fact is that you can plug in whatever uh, use that your body is not intended for. Right? You can plug that in there. Because the point is that your body is made for God's glory. So you're going to use it like it belongs to the Lord. That's the first lie. All right? Let me lie to you again. Uh, the second lie, and this one's a lot easier to believe, is that your body is flawed and you should fix it. Your body is flawed and you should fix it. It's a lie that countless people believe um, that your body is not as good as it should be, that your body is not as good as it could be, right? So you need to do something to fix it. It's like a million dollar industry, right? That plays on the emotions that spring forth from this lie uh, of believing that, uh, that you're not good enough and that you desire to look good because that'll bring love or respect or, or, or whatever, right? It's this idea that if I can just fix this one flaw that I have, then I'd be good, then I'd be happy, I'd be content, I'd be loved, whatever it is, right? If I can just get rid of these love handles right here, or if I can get my frizzy hair to be straight, or if I can get my straight hair to actually do something, or if I get this gut and replace it with a six-pack, or maybe like a four or a two, or maybe if I could just make myself not look pregnant uh, all the time. Um, like I'm carrying a man baby, not a man baby, uh, Whatever. Um, Whatever it is, right? People will go through all sorts of effort. People will pay all sorts of money to fix this one issue, right? To get rid of that flaw. I mean, think of several celebrities that are notorious for this, right? Think of Joan Rivers. More plastic than a Barbie doll, right? Doesn't look like a Barbie doll, though. Um, Like something you'd be afraid to encounter at night. She's dead, yeah. That's why. If she came to you, that would be scary because she's dead. Um, Or Michael Jackson, right? Like, you're not fooling anyone with that skin disease stuff. You just want it to be white, okay? Um, Not like white person, but like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Um, Whatever it is. Like, people get borderline crazy, and those are like extreme examples. Um, and people spend a fortune on, on the latest diet fad, on hair products, right, on body products. And they even buy stupid things, like some of these things. For instance, um, <laughs> I forgot what that thing is called. But it's like a neck toner. Like, if you want to get a really strong and, like, toned-looking neck, um, you can buy that on Amazon. I think it was, like, 19 bucks. And you just, like nod your head a lot, and like, you'll get a ripped neck. Wow. The the next one. Um, (laughs) Okay, so like, if you're doing your hair, and like, you're really worried about like, getting soup in your hair, then this is the product for you. Or it's like, just use a toilet seat cover. Oh, you you know the real, the real reason, Hojin? So do you have one of those, Hojin? Do you have one? <laughs> it's useful, I guess. Like, 
if you don't want to smell like soup, your hair will smell like soup. Okay, the, the next one is absolutely ridiculous. It's a real thing. Um, I actually saw it on Amazon. Uh, it's unavailable, but you can, uh, sit, you can uh, put it on your wish list still. Looking good for Jesus. It's like a Jesus-based... Yeah. It's like a little mirror, and it comes with like a comb, and it comes with lip gloss. It's like, you got to look good for Jesus, you know? Going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday best. Um, SPF 18. Not really going to protect you all that much. Um, anyway, um, it can be like that. Some of those things are stupid, right? Uh, but here's the thing. The whole, like, you're flawed and you need to fix yourself idea, right? That plays on a deep emotion that a lot of us have, right? That we aren't really happy with ourselves. That we think, if only I could fix this one thing, then I'd, I'd be good, right? And then to make things worse, it's not just us who internally have this monologue with ourselves. There are people out there who constantly remind us of this thing, whether maliciously or whether innocently. Uh, for example, my mom. Um, whenever I go to my mom's house, she always says to me, she's like, hey, have you been going to the gym lately? Not like, hey, like, have you been going to the gym lately? But like, hey, like, are you wasting your twenty nine ninety nine a month for the gym membership that you never go to? Yeah, um, but the crazy thing is, like, sh- after, right after that, she'll be like, hey, like, are you eating well? Like, here, take some food home with you, right? Like, finish your plate. Like, it, it's crazy. Um, that's just how, I guess, moms are. Uh, but I know she loves me, right? So it's not that big of a deal. It's not like I'm heartbroken because she says that I'm fat or whatever. Um, but there's that one thing that people never get tired of bringing up. Right? And growing up for me, uh, one of those things was my height. Right? I was always too short, and l- there's literally nothing I could do to fix that flaw. I can't like, work out more. I can't like, eat better or whatever. That, that's not going to get fixed by anything I do. Um, so, uh, so I remember um, thinking about this. This was like the one thing. And um, it was senior year of high school, and it was, it was kind of an on and off thing. Uh, go, growing up through elementary and whatnot. But senior year of high school, um, I remember the exact spot. Me and a friend were driving to his house. We were on the 405, getting on the Nordoff on-ramp towards Santa Clarita. And we were hanging out with him, driving home. And we start talking about girls. And some girl, um, what some girl was saying about me, and he was like, yeah, like, so-and-so is, like, super into you. Uh, she thinks you're smart, you're funny, kind of, like, mysterious because you don't, like, say a lot, um, kind of gangster. Um, though, true, true story. It's not even, like, a joke. Um, not even a joke. Uh, and so, so he was saying all that, and I was like, yeah, like, obviously, all, all of those things. Um, and then he said that she would date you, this is what she said, she would date you if you were taller, right? And then he says, that's, that's kind of the buzz, though. Like, you could get any girl you want if you were taller. And he just kind of like, that's like an offhand remark, not even like just throwing it at me, right? Just offhanded. And as a high school boy, as a senior, do you know how devastating that was to hear that? Now, obviously, I wouldn't, like, looking back, like, why would I date someone that shallow, 
But the fact is, I was in high school, and she was hot, so I didn't care if she was shallow. Um, right? But the point is, like, what, despite what you think, despite what others say about you and your flaws, the truth is that you're actually, in God's eyes, fearfully and wonderfully made. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. So a few days ago, um, Dre, uh, our wildlife pastor, junior high pastor, um, he got this new app called Mitomo, and he's been like all over it. It's like a Nintendo app. Um, and he convinced me to get it and waste my time on it. And basically, it's like you make your little characters, and you like sit in your house and talk to other people. It's like a weird app weird, like, social media app. Anyway, so you make your little character that's supposed to look like you, um, and I made this guy, um, which, which now I don't have a beard. Um, but anyway, it took me, like, 10 seconds to, like, make this guy, right? This thing is not fearfully and wonderfully made. I just threw it together, right? But the Bible says that you weren't just thrown together in five seconds, the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, open up to Psalm 139. And I know this is one of those passages that you've probably heard uh, about a million times. <clears throat> um, but I really want you to hear this tonight. And I'd actually just invite you to think through um, what that one specific thing that you've always heard your whole life, that one flaw... Um, that people have either brought up to you or that you have just internalized. Um, And as I read this, I just invite you just to consider that thing uh, and see what the Lord says. Psalm 139, starting at verse 13. And it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So just notice what what David is saying in this psalm. He's saying that God was intentional about forming you. That God's works are actually wonderful. Right? And that you, your body, who you are, is one of God's works. Right? And this, this sort of trips me out, this part. He says that everything about you was ordained ahead of time. Right? God didn't screw up. Right? God didn't accidentally make your hair too thin. Right? Or make your eyes uneven. Or make your metabolism too fast or too slow. Everything about who you are was planned by God ahead of time. Right? And it was good. And it was more than good. David says that it was actually wonderful, right? It it causes wonder. It causes awe to think of this body of yours that the Lord has made, right? This idea that that your body needs to be fixed can be so painful, right? It, It can hurt when you hear this thing, especially if you've heard it your whole life. It can be so destructive, right? But the Lord says that you're not flawed, Right? The Lord says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Right? Nothing about you was a mistake. And knowing that truth, when you hear that lie, 
right? That can just bring so much freedom to where you're at, right? To how you see your body. So actually what I want to do tonight is I want to give an example of that. Um, I want to bring someone up who's struggled to fight this lie uh, in her life, but has seen the Lord's power uh, just come through uh, to help her overcome it day by day. So um, why don't you guys give it up for Madison Hernandez. Here's uh, your mic. You can sit down. There you go. So, um, how are you doing? Well, I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah. It can be a sort of nerve-wracking to be up here. I know. I'm here quite often. I know. It's it feels always like us against them right now. So I'm I don't know about us against them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe them against us. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, Madison, when did you come to know the Lord? Um, okay, well, I grew up in a Christian household, but we really only went to church on Christmas and Easter, and I thought church was pretty boring, um, and I didn't really like going to the middle school services or anything like that, because I didn't have any friends. Um, not in, like, a sad way, I just didn't know anyone. Um, and... I went randomly on one day, and they were promoting the 8th grade road trip, and I don't know why, but I decided to go, and I decided on that trip, like, to give my life to the Lord, and that's when um, I really got, like, planted in the church, and it's where I met my best friends, and um, I stayed all through high school and until now, so. Sweet. So you've been here at Rocky Peak for a while? Yeah. Yes. A while. Um, So when we were in... Uganda earlier this year, uh, Madison shared her testimony with us, uh, and when I was thinking about the topic, that's like the first thing that came to mind. So um, when you shared that, you sort of shared the idea that um, you've struggled with this lie that your body is flawed and that it needs to be fixed. Um, Can you sort of explain your experience? Um, Okay, so for me, I mean, I know it's something that we all struggle with. But for me, it started pretty young. I was probably, like, like eight or nine years old. Uh, I remember being in, like, fourth grade and um, really, like, I couldn't articulate it because I was, like, a child. But at the time, I just noticed that I was bigger than the other girls in my class. And it was kind of just like, oh, okay, like, that's weird, but whatever. And then I remember it becoming more of a problem as, like, my grandparents started noticing it. I gained more and more weight in, like, middle school or whatever. Um, going through my awkward phase, and I remember, I remember in middle school, the boy I liked calling me fat, um, and that's, like, not something that anyone would ever forget, um, and I, then in, like, eighth grade, I decided um, that I was going to be skinny, and so I started really under-eating, like severely under eating and over exercising, and I did. I lost a lot of weight, but um, that kind of continued a lot of cycles of under eating and over exercising, and then gaining weight, and then under eating and over exercising, um, basically all throughout high school, um, and struggling with something called body dysmorphia. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically where personally, like I couldn't think about anything else besides 
my weight and what I looked like because in my eyes, like when I looked in the mirror, it was like I was this like obese person and um, I thought it was what everyone around me was looking at, even if that's not true. Um, it was like the one thing that I couldn't get over and um, yeah, I couldn't think about anything else. So it just kind of like perpetuated all these negative thoughts. And yeah. So negative thoughts and stuff. What other sort of consequences, negative consequences do you see this like um, affecting your life? Yeah. So, well, physically I was exhausted because I was, you know, undernourished and overworked. And mentally I was kind of in this like cage of insecurity. It kind of felt like I was alone a lot of the time and that I was the only one that felt that way about their body and the only one that struggled in that way because it was so severe for me. Um, And socially, I know it had a lot of effects on me uh, because I couldn't enjoy myself when I was with my friends or my family. Like, people that love me unconditionally. um, Like, I couldn't enjoy myself going to lunch with a friend or going out to a family dinner because um, I was afraid that I couldn't count the calories and the food I was eating. Um, And so it just basically caused a lot of anxiety in my life. Yeah. Um, But when you shared um, your testimony, you sort of said that, like, the Lord was starting to work on you um, in this area. Can you sort of share what the Lord has been doing? Yeah. Um, Okay, so recently, I would say, like, I would say at the beginning of my first year of college this year, um, I started to really become interested in having a real relationship with the Lord and not just, like, offhandedly saying, Lord, give me confidence, but, like, actually deciding to get to know him. Um, Because you can't trust someone that you don't know. Like, I couldn't trust the Lord when he said, like, you're beautiful and you're fearfully and wonderfully made um, if I don't know him. Um, So through that... Um, and through getting to know him, he's been showing me two specific things. Um, and the first one is, um, oh my God, I'm forgetting. Excuse me. I'm very nervous. Um, okay. The first one is that, um, God knew me before, um, before I took form. So unlike the rest of like what we see as love or what we see as like oh, that person thinks I'm desirable because they saw me across the room and they thought I was beautiful and funny or or whatever. Um, God knew me before those things, and he chose to love me, not despite those things, but because of those things. Like, he chose to love me, um, and he's the one that put what I see as imperfections there in the first place, if that makes any sense. Um, And the second thing is that Life isn't fair, and that sounds negative, but what I mean is that um, for a really long time, I thought life wasn't fair because, you know, she could eat whatever she wanted and not gain weight, and um, in reality, life isn't fair because I get to wake up every single day and stand up out of bed and run and swim and jump and do all the things that I love to do because God so graciously allows me to do those things. Um, And so instead of criticizing myself for the way I looked, I began uh, being grateful to the Lord for allowing me to just live my life. Um, Yeah. That's awesome. 
Uh, so just for people here who sort of struggle with that idea that they need, they have this flaw and they need to fix themselves, what would you just say as like an encouragement to them? Um, I would say that, well, I, just speaking from experience, like really diving into scripture and really like relying on that um, is super important. I know one of the biggest turning points for me was when I decided that instead of looking to models and actresses for inspiration, um, I began like really wanting to be like women in the Bible. Like I wanted to be like Mary and I wanted to be like Ruth. And at first I was like, what? Like, that's so weird. But I don't know. like exemplifying those qualities that they have, like began to become, um, so much more important to me. And there's this one verse, uh, it's Psalm 33, 6, and it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens are made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. And when, excuse me, when I read that, it was just like the perfect picture of God as like our powerful creator. And I think that we look at all these things like, you know, beautiful sunsets and landscapes after we you know, go on a hike or we're looking up at the stars and we think like, wow, that's so magnificent. Like God is so good, but God sees us that way. And, um, I think if we take the time to look at ourselves and try and see ourselves through the eyes of our creator and think like, like think the way he does for a second, I think we can all realize like we are so much more magnificent than all of those things. So that's my encouragement. Cool. What was that uh, verse again? Psalm 33? 33.6. 33.6. Thank you, Madison. Thanks for sharing. Um, Give it up for her. Um, Yeah, she's absolutely right. Like, that's not something that I necessarily even thought of um, when thinking about tonight. Uh, The fact that, like, we see all these beautiful, like, landscapes and these features out in nature, whether it's hiking in Yosemite or um, just walking around up in the hills over here, um, you see how amazing and beautifully made uh, just the world is and how the Lord actually took time uh, to design things that way. Um, so how much more like amazing is the fact that like you are made by him? I just think of uh, Jesus' words um, when he talks about how he even takes care of the lilies of the field and he clothes them uh, in just radiant, beautiful colors. Um, so how much you don't have to worry about like the Lord clothing you and stuff. But I think there's that also that lesson there that if he spends so much time and, and energy and effort in making a thing like a flower beautiful, how much more valuable are you and how much more time did he spend on you? Um, anyway, so one, give it up for Madison just one more time. <clears throat> All right. Um, the last lie, um, I'm not going to lie to you again tonight, is that transforming the outside will transform the inside. Transforming the outside will transform the inside. Now, um, it, it's, it's different, but I think at the core of most body issues, um, whether you beat yourself up because you look terrible or you worship yourself because you look like a Greek god, um, at the core of most body issues lies this idea that I'm not good enough or worthy enough or loved enough. But maybe if I looked a certain way, right? If I got my stuff together on the outside, then all of those things would be true of me on the inside, 
right? But that strategy is like painting a, a, an apple with a rotten core just red, right? It, it looks like a good apple. It looks delicious and whatnot, but that doesn't change the fact that on the inside, it has a problem, right? It's just fixing the outside. It doesn't change the inside. And we sort of think that that's how that works with our bodies, right? We get new clothing. We work out a bit more. We get a haircut. We uh, grow out a really long beard. And magically, like all of your problems are fixed, right? But that's just not the way things work. And we know that that's not the way things work. Um, But we still keep trying to change things, right? We keep trying to transform ourselves, right? Let me just talk to the guys here for a second, Um, because usually I think in church settings and Christian settings, we've gotten very used to just talking uh, about body image issues as if it were uh, a girl thing. And we even quote stuff like 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, where he's talking to women, uh, and Peter says this. He says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles or wearing of gold, jewelry, or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of gentle and quiet spirit, which is a great worth in God's sight. So we quote stuff like that, and we think like, yeah, like the Bible talks about that stuff, but it's like directed at the ladies. But the fact is that body image stuff isn't just a girl thing, right? It's a guy thing as well. Um, It's a human thing. Paul Maxwell, he's a blogger um, and a theologian. He, He says this. Let me step up here. He says about guys, we can, can barely see that. We compare ourselves to others in the gym. We come away from movies wanting to exercise for eight hours. We'd rather jump in front of a truck and take, off, take our shirts off at the pool. We feel pathetic and small. We look at ourselves in almost every mirror we pass. When alone, we flex, not because we like what we see, but because we don't. We spent hundreds of dollars on pre-workout, weight loss, weight gain supplements. We researched the best way to bulk, shred, diet, and binge. Um, now, what he describes is male body hate, right? It's this hatred for your own body. And the words that he uses, I can resonate with just everything that he says in there. And that's been me on and off my whole life. Uh, summer uh, of fourth grade, um, I stayed home a lot, and I ate a lot of pudding, uh, <laughs> sounds stupid, uh, but I like discovered tapioca pudding, um, and I just ate pudding all day long. Like I'd eat pudding, go outside and play, come back in, eat some more pudding, go outside and play, whatever. No joke. There was so much pudding that summer. Um, and all summer long, uh, right, uh, that summer I just got chunky, right? Let's just call it what it is. I got fat, uh, that summer and I stayed fat, right? And through the years, I was short, I was fat, I wore glasses, super self-conscious, sort of what he says, like, you couldn't see me uh, with my shirt off in the pool. Like, if I was in the pool, I'd be on in there with a tank top, which is not just, like, a fat thing, like, it's a Hispanic thing, too. Um, um, But but it was partly because I didn't want you to see my belly, right? And I didn't want you to see my man boobs, um, because I was fat. I was like overweight. Um, and I was self, so, so self-conscious of this. I remember uh, one summer, I was at summer camp at Hillcrest, and it was probably maybe like, I don't know, four, fifth grade. Um, it was an arts and craft time, 
And some guy was across the room was making fun of my man boobs. So what I did is I just flipped out. Like I had it. This guy had been making fun of me all week long. I had it. I jumped up on my table, jumped onto his and started beating him. Um, And I got sent home from summer camp that week. Um, But it was a problem, right? Like I, I was picky about what I wore. I always wore really big baggy sweatshirts. Um, all through junior high, even though it was like 100 degrees outside. And why was that? Because I was trying to cover up my body. Like, I didn't want to see people. I didn't want people to see how I actually looked. Um, So I was overweight until 10th grade. uh, And then I started playing sports. And then I started playing football. And that sort of changed. And I thought, like, man, like, now I actually look good. Um, But my struggle wasn't over at that point. Like, uh... Just like when I started looking good, my struggle wasn't over um, because good was never good enough, right? Like I still had this thing to deal with. I could still look better. I could still uh, be faster. I could still be stronger. I could still be taller, right? So while my body changed, the obsession didn't, right? The obsession just changed form. It was still the same exact heart issue. And it's not that I thought I looked bad I just always thought I could look better, right? Or should be better. I had this idea that I I was supposed to be a certain way, right? And why was I disappointed with my body? For the same reason that so many guys are. Because for ourselves, we want to be self-confident, right? We we search for confidence in our looks or whatever it might be. So that way we can uh, fight off rejection when we get it. Right? To the opposite sex, we want to be attractive. Right? We want to be that kind of guy that uh, when you walk by a, a lady that you like, that she notices you, right? that she thinks that you're hot. Or you hear even uh, Christian girls talking about how hot the latest celebrity is or how hot this athlete is or whatever. And as guys, we want to hear that about ourselves as well. Um, to other guys, we want to just be like manly, Right? We want to put up this front and have people respect us and our peers look up to us because that means that we've been accepted and loved by our peers and our friends. And to God, we want to be a real man. Right? We've been told these stories of how Jesus, he was a carpenter, like he was a man's man, worked with his hands, or stories like David who fought off bears and lions. Like That's what a real biblical man is. Right? So what do we do? We either give up because we realize that that's unattainable and we're never going to meet that imaginary ideal, right? Or we obsess about getting there. Go for another run, right? We do another set. You drink another protein shake. You take another pre-workout. Not in that order, because that's not how it works. Um, (laughs) There's nothing wrong with working out and wanting to look good and wanting to be a peak physical condition. Um, But there's a huge gap between being healthy and meeting our culture's imaginary ideal of being hot, right? Because in between that space, between healthy and hot, that's where hate, self-hate lies. Um, And obviously the issues are not exactly the same for ladies, um, but in in a sense they're still very similar, right? Because at the core, uh, we're looking for that intimacy. We're looking for that value, for that love from ourselves, from our peers, from the opposite sex, from God. So what's the solution to all of that? The solution is to remember the gospel. It's looking towards the cross. 
That's what the solution is. It's looking towards the cross. Because the fact is that Jesus is not disappointed with you. Right? No matter what people out there may think, no matter what you may think about yourself, Jesus is not disappointed with you. Right? He doesn't wish that you were better, that you were hotter, that you were taller, that you were skinnier, bulkier. Jesus doesn't think, man, like if only he had a six-pack, then we could have a real intimate relationship together. Right? He, he doesn't think, he doesn't say, oh, like 18% body fat, like, mm, she should be down to like nine. Right? Because once she gets down there, then I'll really love and value her. Right? That's, Jesus would never say anything like that. Jesus loves you, and yes, he does want to transform you, right? But that transformation that he desires is a heart thing, right? It's, it's not on the outside. That's why in 1 Samuel 1, 6, um, the Lord says this, uh, not 1, 6, 16, 7. Um, he says, the Lord does not look at the things as man does. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Right? The Lord is not, he doesn't love you based off what you look like, right? He loves you and wants to change and transform your heart. So remembering that, remembering that Jesus had his own body beaten and bruised for you. Remembering that that is how much he loved you, right? That he didn't die on the cross and raised from the grave all because you looked a certain way or you have the potential to look a certain way if you work really hard, That's not what it it says, right? The Bible doesn't say that for God so loved the world that whoever, uh, that he gave his one only son, that whoever may be really hot or have a banging body might believe in him, might not perish, but have eternal life. No, that's not what the Bible says, right? The gospel says that he loved us unconditionally, as Madison reminded us, that he doesn't love us because of who we were or despite who we were. He loved us just because he loves us. Right, that we're secure in him. That we can find true intimacy in him. Right, simply because he loves us. And the cross proves that to us. So here's the point. And the band will start coming up um, right now. And I really just want you to remember this fact. Uh, you can only be freed from the power that your body has over you if you remember the one whose body was broken and bruised for your sake. Because that's where true security, that's where true intimacy, that's where true love comes from, from knowing the fact that Jesus loves you. So as we go ahead into this time of worship, I would just invite you um, to remember the fact and and to praise the Lord for the fact that he loves you unconditionally, that there is nothing that you did to earn his love Right, that, that he offers you that value and, and, and intimacy that maybe the world or people around you might not offer you. That he sees you, that he loves you. He's desperately in love with you. Let me go ahead and pray. Father God, we just thank you um, because you prove your love to us through your son, Jesus. God, that you show that, that we have nothing to offer God, we don't have good works to offer. We don't have good looks to offer to you, God, that none of those things would even matter to you, God, but that you love us just because you love us. 
Lord, so I pray that in this time of worship that we'd be able to focus in on that. And if um, we have a hard time believing our value and our worth is not based off of our looks, God, I pray that you would just remove that lie, God, and that you'd replace it with the truth of your unconditional love. I pray this in Jesus' name.